You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome to the podcast, and I'm glad you tuned in. I'm really enjoying uh, this little season of podcasts because I decided to do something skill-based, something useful to the church, which is like I really want, uh, you know, I just realized it made it sound like every other podcast was not useful. I didn't mean that. But I decided to use this season of podcasts to pass along some specific skills. I want to talk about how to read our Bible better. And I have enjoyed being able to offer some of this content in bite-sized pieces. So today I want to take another step. I want to talk about letting the Bible speak instead of forcing it to say what you want it to say. I'll teach you some fancy words. We'll, we'll read a particular Bible passage as an example, but just to make sure that I got it right, I invited a guest. So Jeremy Stroh is on the podcast. Jeremy Stroh is our college admissions pastor. He's been at Carterville forever, for nearly two decades, um, and he's just an all-around good dude and a great reader of the Bible. So Jeremy, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so hey, I said that as a compliment, like as an intro uh, not just to swell your head, but it is true. Like you, you are an excellent reader of the Bible. You're a very serious student of the Word. That's one of the things that is uh, strongly to your credit. So thanks for joining me, and thanks for bringing um, you know some of your knowledge and insight to bear on this episode of the podcast. Cool, man. Hey, with that big setup, I want you to introduce our church to two really fancy words. Um, so when you go to seminary and you take your 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 Bible study classes. It's a fancy word for that one too. It's called hermeneutics. But when you take your class on how to interpret the scripture, that is hermeneutics, your fancy word, um, they teach you these two words. Two words that coming out of Sugarlock, Mississippi, Stroh, I'd never heard before in my life. Uh, and you don't have to remember the words, but I need you to hear them. Stroh, will you introduce us to the fancy words for the day? Sure. So exegesis and eisegesis. Okay, so yep. exegesis, fancy word number one. Yep. Eisegesis, fancy word number yep. two. What what do they mean, and which sure. one do I want to do? So ex is from a Greek word, which means come out of. Okay. And ice is from a Greek word, which just means into. Okay. And so exegesis is where you pull things out of the text, stuff that's already there, that they meant for you to read and understand. So okay. eisegesis is when you read things into the text. You take your culture, your experiences, your life, your hopes, your dreams, your problems, and you bring them into the text and try to make it apply where maybe the original author didn't plan for you to. Gotcha. And so uh, my seminary professors were pretty clear that if I wanted to pass their classes, the sermons that I wrote or the Bible studies that I developed needed to be exegesis, allowing the Bible to speak to me, not eisegesis, where I'm forcing my own ideas onto the Bible. And uh, to be honest with you, I've been guilty of, of uh, eisegesis. I'm confident along the way uh, here and there. But today we're trying to teach the church to be excellent at exegesis. Some of the ways you might hear this, uh, hear this uh, used in church, uh, you, you know, you'll hear um, the, the exegesis of this text or as I was exegeting this word in, from some Bible study teachers or whatever. But basically the big idea is exegesis. The Bible has a meaning, and I want to draw it out. I want to let the Bible have its voice. That's what we want. We want you to draw out the meaning of the text. We want to resist the urge to force our ideas on the text. So here's the, here's something I've learned about me, Jeremy, is sometimes sometimes if I grew up hearing a Bible passage taught a certain way, 
um, or if I developed a meaning for it all by myself when I was younger, then that Bible verse for me, when I approach it, I'm going to assume that's what the text means. And as I've gotten older and I started to read the Bible more seriously, I noticed that a lot of times I was wrong. I was trying to make a Bible verse say something I wanted it to say or something that another Bible teacher told me it meant. Mm -hmm. But then when I started to read more carefully using the skills that we're passing along in this podcast series, uh, I realized, man, Ben, you were, you were forcing that. That's not what the Bible meant. And I don't want to do that. So we're going to use an example passage today to kind of set this up. Um, so we're going to use Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Stro, have you ever heard Philippians 4, 13? I have. All right. Do you know what it is? Off the top of your head, like out of your heart, do you know what it is? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Look me. Look at you, man. All, I mean, yeah. on the spot. So Stro walked in and said, hey, Ben, tell me what we're going to do for the podcast. Like, you'll see. You'll see. Uh, so that's exactly right. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is a great example of a Bible passage where we're guilty of eisegesis instead of exegesis. Um, I'll use myself as an example. When I was a younger guy using this Bible passage, I would think that, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I may weigh 72 pounds. I may be three and a half feet tall, but I can, I'm playing little league today. I can hit a home run. Is it outside of my skill level? <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> But, hey, man, don't forget, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? So I'll, I'll decide that this is what it means. I can do all things. This is what I want it to mean. And so I'm going to try to make it mean that. Turns out, that's not what it means. When Paul the Apostle wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he was not saying that I can accomplish miraculous things if I want to just because Jesus is going to work through me. Uh, that may be true that Jesus can work through me and do miraculous things, but that's not what Philippians 4.13 means. So what I want to do today is I want to read the text and give you an example of exegesis instead of eisegesis. What would it mean to look at the Bible and give it a careful read and say, huh, based on the words around it and the, the time it was written, what is most likely to be meant here? So Stro, if you'll help me read this, we'll grab Philippians chapter 4. Um, and let's see, what will we read? We will read verse 10. Through 13. So while you're turning your Bible there, I'm going to go ahead and set up one piece of the puzzle. The piece I'm going to give to our listeners is what's going on in the world? What's the social setting for this? The author is a guy named Paul who is planting churches around the Mediterranean in the first century. He is currently in prison, so his situation is not great, although he's filling this letter with references to joy. So Paul is in jail and yet he is still on fire for Jesus and being faithful to you know, his missionary calling. Second, the readers that would read this letter were the Philippians. They were believers who lived in the, a Greek area, a church in Philippi up in the Macedonia region. They, were, uh, they, they cared for Paul, and they had just sent someone to prison to try to take care of Paul, to minister to him, probably to give him a little food and some emotional support to try to help Paul. And so Paul is writing this part of the letter to say, hey, thank you for sending some support to me, uh, but let me tell you how I'm doing. All right, so that is the social world, the background, what's happening. He's in jail. First century prisons were not cush places. Uh, the different, you know, somebody coming to bring you some food and support could be the difference in survival or not um, in some of these settings. But here we are. So Stro, if you will, let's pick up with 10 through 13. 
Sherman. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. So we're reading uh, kind of the modern NIV translation where he says, I can do all this. Um, and they've obviously tried to update that to help people spot the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, the older translations that we're used to said all things. And that's where I think, hey, I can hit a home run even if I'm no good at baseball if Jesus would just help me, mm-hmm. right? But you know, even the translation here is trying to point you in the right direction. What I notice in the passage is you know, there's a repetition of this, this idea about uh, contentment. Paul makes a reference to circumstances, and we know the setting, he's in prison. And so when you start to put some of these pieces together, I remember the day that I first read this passage and it made sense to me, and I realized, oh wow, what Paul means when he says, I have learned the secret to being content in all circumstances, is that he can do all things through Christ. In other words, Paul can be content in any circumstance, whether he's preaching revivals in Ephesus, or whether he's in prison, um, he has learned to be content because he knows that he can do anything, any situation, a good one or a bad one, through Christ who gives him strength. So I've, I've learned, all right, what Paul really meant was he can walk whatever path. So how would a believer allow this text to speak to them? Well, now that you know what the Bible's actually saying, you can begin to say, all right, so if the road that's ahead of me this week, this month, this year is a hard one to walk, if it's filled with some extra challenges or maybe some things aren't going my way, I can do it. I, I can do this hard thing. I can be content through this hard circumstance through Christ who strengthens me. If Paul knew what it was like to be hungry or you know cold and still be faithful to the gospel, all right, I can do this too. On the other hand, if this turns around and I become prosperous and things start to go my way, I don't want to get arrogant, right? I still want to be faithful. Well, I can do that too. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So suddenly the verse becomes a powerful secret of contentment in all circumstances. We find our identity in Jesus. We're aware of the presence of Jesus. We learn to live in Jesus. And whether you're in a jail cell or a revival, you are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I I appreciate uh, you supporting me today on the podcast. Stro, thanks for being here with us. Church family, thanks for listening. Recap of today's podcast episode. We want to be doing exegesis, letting the text speak, draw out the meaning of the text. The meaning comes from out of the text. We don't want to be doing eisegesis, where we're forcing our voice onto the text, trying to make it say things that we want it to say. I love you. hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for reading your Bible. Bye.